people who acted as though they were in a kind of trance were killing and eating their victims prompted authorities to examine the bodies of some of the victims. Medical authorities in Cumberland have concluded that in all cases, the killers are eating. Repeating this latest bulletin... Just... Hi, this is Ross Payton here with Rule Blame Public Radio, and this is episode 30, Min-Max Pain. The pain of min-maxing. Jesus. 30 episodes, man. Yeah. Would you have thought back in the day that here we would be world-famous superstars of the internet just basking in the luxury that, you know, the money from this show generates? Um, well, uh, yeah, I, I, that, that still hasn't happened, Tom. It's, it's what I think about in my head when I'm de- feeling depressed. It helps me. Oh, poor Tom. I know. Well, anyways, um, we uh, have a lot to talk about today. We we're, we're going to be talking about game balance when it comes to player characters in particular. Uh, there's a lot of issues. We I've been actually started playing Fourth Ed, and uh, so I'm looking at it from the other side of the DM screen, and uh, I like to talk about it. It's interesting yeah. stuff. But oh, and we're not going to talk about it. But I just like to mention, hey, I ran my very first Call of Cthulhu game, which we did record, and we will post at some point on the site. Uh, we actually have quite a backlog of actual play games. It's just I don't want to uh, saturate you. Yeah, saturate them. I know some of you listen to them a day after you get them, and you listen to the four hour session in that day, and that that makes kudos us, to you. That but, makes us happy. Yeah, but um, again, that's. Uh, most of you don't. So we'll uh, keep on posting that great stuff. Uh, speaking of uh, gaming stuff, we... Uh, <laughs> gaming stuff. Gaming stuff. Very yeah. scientific <laughs> for us, yes. I, we're still doing, doing the Ransom for the 4th Ed New World Campaign Primer. Um, if you want to play the... Uh, receive a free PDF uh, that will be on the RPPR website of all kinds of 4th Ed goodness. Uh, we got new feats. Uh, the Gripply is a playable race. Uh, new monsters, rituals. You know you uh, want to play map. the Gripply, man. Yeah. Uh, we're making progress on it. Uh, and um, all we need are about 20 more people, I think, to contribute $10 or more people uh, or fewer people contribute more money. And uh, so check that out. And if you really want to see it... Um, more than welcome to contribute, and if it doesn't make it through, um, I'll figure out a plan, and we'll do a, a, a lesser version, a smaller version, more compact version. The version you, the version that would just remind you of what you could have had if you, yeah, if you paid the full ransom. <laughs> um, We're assholes. No, it's it's free gaming content, and if, if you, you donate money, if you don't, if you contribute money to the ransom, you can also donate money. Subscribe to the website for two dollars a month. We'll give you a shout out on the show, and uh, give you a custom title on the. Uh, this, sounds, this almost sounds very Bernie Madoff, man. Um, it's, like, it's totally free if you donate money. <laughs> but we're giving them something valuable in contrib- in exchange, like all the and we have trustworthy faces. Many dozen, uh, dozens of hours of content, probably close to a hundred by now. Well, we'll, we'll be hundred by the and end. And we're of the trustworthy. Year, at least. We are trustworthy. We are. We're gamers. We're, We're absolutely uh, trustworthy. You've heard me run games. I've uh, I'm uh, excellent. Trustworthy. I, uh, except, well, I don't know. I I admitted to cheating. In a letter I wrote. So. Yeah, that's true, but I haven't. But I, I confessed my crimes. So, yeah, so Tom's now trustworthy. So. That's right. Uh, so, um, with all that out of the way, uh, we uh, should talk about the main topic of the show, and that's, of course, game balance. Now, game balance is a huge topic, so we're going to focus on the most obvious area of game balance, where it's most important, I think, and that's player characters, character builds, as they would say. Yeah. Um, 
there, I'm sure you all have horror stories of things the players wanted to do or things the players did do. Yeah. And again, what you need to keep in mind is that there are many types of, uh, well, let's start with the defining game balance from a very basic perspective perspective. Now, when we're talking about balance, we're meaning that all, especially in regards to player characters, character, um, there in any RPG there, you can make variable characters, different types of characters. You know, there are different skills, abilities, attributes, and, um, you have some choice over what kind of resources your character will have. So, when we say something is balanced, the character player builds are balanced, that they all start on equal footing. I mean, that's not to say they're identical, but that they have basically the same chance of success or failure, that they have the that, same strength or level of ability that all the that other You don't need to go with one thing right. to succeed. Right. That's the, that's the, that's sort of the, the corollary to this, is that um, if there is one particular character build type of character that is vastly more powerful that anyone who doesn't choose that build doesn't choose that build is punished basically then that's broken or if there's one so weak that no one can choose it that's broken as well so let's give uh, some more concrete examples to give this in fourth ed uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I found out basically that the bugbear. I found uh, looking online and reading the research on the current dis- discussion is that the bugbear race from the Monster Manual is broken. Now, there's two reasons for that. One, he has oversized weapons, which basically means he can hold weapons one size category larger than any other creature, right, uh, right. medium sized yeah. creature. Now, and this ability is automatic and free. So there's no reason not to be a bugbear if you're going to play a warrior type because all your weapons will automatically do one dice or one dice type. Uh, Higher, great, more yeah, damage. Yeah, more damage. Now, and his other ability, Predatory Eye, is basically a free D6 sneak attack every encounter. So that's... That's pretty fucked up. Yeah, and if you're playing... So if you're playing a bugbear rogue, then you you basically... You always use that, and uh, it's very effective. So there's no reason... Not to be a bugbear if you want to be a rogue, because your weapons will do more damage, and you automatically get an additional uh, d6 of or d8 of sneak attack damage, depending on your feet. Um, but it's not just races. Uh, feats, like in uh, Player's Handbook 2, I believe, uh, there's a new feat called Weapon Expertise that gives you a plus one to hit with a type of weapon. Now compare this with a more balanced feat, Nimble Blade. Nimble Blade... Um, has several restrictions on it. You have to be wielding a light blade, and it can only be against opportunity attacks. A plus one to opportunity attacks when using a light blade. Okay. So that's 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 okay. That's useful. That's situational, though. You're not always going to get that plus one to hit. Weapon expertise, which costs the same resource, one feet, gives you a plus one to hit with whatever type of weapon group you want. So you get a plus one to hit with light blades, period. So, sure. why would you choose Nimble Blade over weapon expertise, Tom? Yeah, you're stupid. Exactly. So, weapon expertise is broken. There's no reason not to take it. So, And uh, I know I've mentioned this prestige class before, but once again, that's... Especially prestige classes, a lot of them are... Uh, well, yeah, when you're going back to uh, a third edition, mm-hmm. they're... they're, they're we could go on and on and on, you know, berserked, uh, frenzied berserker, you know, that they could go, they, no matter how much damage you did to, to them, they would stand up until 
the end of the fight. So they could go over to negative 400 hit points and they'd still be standing because they're a frenzied right. berserker. Or so my personal favorite, I've, I mentioned it before the shifter yeah. from 3.0 where you could, where you can literally become any type of creature an unlimited number of times a day. Yeah. And, and uh, I did yeah. it one time and I love the class, but even I thought I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I'm just, I'm unstoppable. So, so those are sort of the definitions we're using here. So uh, some games, every game will have it, I think, to a certain degree or not. Any game will some have... Some more, some less. Well, like John Nash, the game design uh, mathematician, um, <laughs> game design theory here. Oh, that's uh, very, yeah, very nice. Very yeah. nice. Um, says in any given system that there will be optimal choices and suboptimal choices. So, um, yeah, in any RPG, you're probably going to have better character builds than others, but they're not going to be so overwhelmingly powerful that you know it's not going to be like weapon expertise versus nimble blade, or unless you're playing rifts. Yeah. Jesus. I, yeah. I'm. I man. I love the system, but it was the the first time I was in a group that had a headhunter, a vagabond, a city rat, and a glitter boy at first level. That I realized, why the fuck would you do any of the others except glitter right. boy? Exactly. You get a free or a dragon. Or a juicer, because the juicer gets unique abilities that no one else does, like auto-dodge. Yeah. So um, those are just a few examples. Um, so when you're running a game, of course, the question is, how do you deal with character builds? How do you make sure that you're not going to have suffer this min-max pain where someone comes up with a character build so powerful that it basically the other characters aren't even needed? Like in 4th Ed, you can create uh, characters that do so much damage and can uh, are so tough that they can win fights by themselves. And, yeah. yeah. I'd say the first thing to do is simply know the system. Yeah. And try try to know the broken stuff beforehand. Right. That's not, you can't you can't know everything unless you are really truly have no life outside of the game. <laughs> In which case, you know, good for you for being so knowledgeable. But dude, leave the house. Well, this is where you take. Uh, uh, I'm going to use a float a little web 2.0 buzzword by uh, crowd uh, crowdsourcing. You know, uh-huh. crowd the wisdom of crowds. Um, especially with games like Fourth Ed, where every month there's a new source book out. And, you know, Player's Handbook Two, uh, Adventures of Alt Martial Power, whatever. Uh, there are very active internet discussions going on on Wizards uh, website, RPG.net, ianworld.org, something awful, RPPR forums. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're awesome. Yeah, exactly. Where people will be able to break down what's broken, what's not broken, and they'll be able to point this out very quickly. You know, this is where I learned that the bugbear is broken, that the weapon expertise is broken, uh, that the battle rage, uh, battle rage or vigor is broken, um, things like that. So people know. Yeah, it, and, and they'll tell you. More sets of eyes. There are yeah. more sets of eyes out there, and they'll pick up stuff that you won't. So um, read the internet discussions. Uh, maybe post a thread asking a question. and I guarantee it. Yeah, ask a question. I guarantee you there are hundreds, if not thousands, that are ready to answer your question. Yeah. And call you, a, call you gay. Well, yeah, <laughs> something like that. So what do you do next? I mean, the other thing is obviously understanding... Uh, catching it when you're letting the players make characters. Now, in the ideal world, uh, you would 
have time to strictly follow all the players as they're making their characters and audit them. In an ideal world. Yeah. How often does that happen? Yeah. I mean, you're either too busy, you're lazy, or the character or you, joins halfway through. Or even worse, you've got six players, you're starting a campaign, all making their characters at the same time. Right. And you, you I mean, if a player shows up, especially like 4th Ed, player mm-hmm. shows up with the newest book, and he's the only one with a copy, you've never looked at it, and... Is, uh, hey, can I do this? And... You want to be nice, you want to be accommodating. Yeah. So, so you say, sure. So even in the ideal world, you're you're going to let some stuff through and um it, so when you can't deal with it ahead of the game, when you can't check the players, you can't one thing of course you can do is to make little suggestions like say, okay, in my game, we're only going to use these books like in D&D, so we're going to do core book only. Which in third ed, you kind of at some points you kind of had to limit what was going to be out there because there's so many third ed books yeah, out there. Yeah. Um, with fourth ed, that's not so bad right now because there's not nearly yeah. as many players. Most players won't, won't mind a few uh, limiting guidelines. Yeah, um, and you can make sure that this is going to be thematically. You know, if you want to like, oh, this is going to be a desert campaign. So, and then the guy shows up with an Arctic warlord who is uh, using ice powers that are ridiculously strong. Like, uh, no. Yeah. So, or you're doing an Arctic campaign, and then he shows up with a fire mage who's like, ah, I do lots of fire damage. I'll burn everything really good. So you're like, uh... Or you're, you know... Yeah. Or who wants to play, you know, has the Dragonomicon and wants to play a red dragon. Or you're playing Ravenloft, and he plays the ultimate anti-undead, you know, undead slayer. And you're like, uh... Yeah, no. Well, then make it all about constructs or something. (laughs) (laughs) Third Ed was good that way. Yeah. Um, So, yeah... But, of course, the biggest thing is you, you, you're not always going to catch this ahead of time. So every sooner or later, you're going to find a broken mechanic in the game. And this is sort of the biggest uh, situation. Mm-hmm. What do you do when a player shows up? It's like, oh, well, I uh, use this feat and this magic item and this combination of abilities, and I instantly win the battle. Or Yeah. Well, I'd say the, the first thing you want to do is dialogue. Just Just mention it to them. Yeah. No, you know, not you know. Don't admonish them. Don't scream at them. Don't throw things at them, which has happened before. Yeah, I won't go into details, but it hurt. <laughs> but you know, yeah, just tell tell your talk to your players about that, and just just tell them, hey, this is uh, that fight was actually supposed to be really, you know, fun for the other players too, and you kind of just won it. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, don't make it about them. Say like, you know, it's not really fair to everyone else. Yeah. Um, well, I think the thing is, you know, unless it's so retardedly broken that, like I've read there are, there's a, a combination in fourth ed that requires two warlords with a certain ability, guy, uh, um, something switch, guy, guyful switch, uh, guile switch. Guileful switch. Yeah, guileful switch. Or, yeah, yeah, something like that. That lets basically the warlords makes his action and then give someone else another turn. And so you got two warlords with his ability, and then with a, 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 a certain epic level ability, a demigod ability, that they could take an infinite number of turns. So uh-huh. they, they could never, it's a loop that never ends. And so if it's something that retardedly powerful, you're just like, no. No, that's out. Gone. Yeah. Because yeah. um, you are, at the end of the day, you are the GM, and you decide what goes in the game. Yeah. But. Most of the time, it's going to be more borderline. It's going to be like, "Oh wow, you did a lot of damage," or "Wow, you uh, you survived that," or "You you didn't even what?" Um, okay, well, all right. Um, 
usually what I do in the game is make it low key, not like take the emphasis off them and say, okay, uh, let it go by the first time, you know? Yeah. Um, but if they rely, if they rely on that all the time, yeah. Well, that that's sort of the thing. Uh, you see, I like to move. Well, what do you? So what, what I like to do is move it to after the game and make the change to the rules. You know, house rule something in between sessions. But well, well, that's why we always what, re, that's why we always record the post games too. Right, right, right. But um, what do you do? I mean, do you, uh, you you said you had some examples of some of the times when uh, players did something retarded in the game? You know, really in broken stuff. Um, what? Would you? What other sort of techniques would you recommend for? Well, I with, with the groups I played with in the past, most of the time I just have relied on the dude that really just didn't work. We're gonna need to change that. Most of the time they're okay with it, especially if even they. I've had a few where even the players didn't realize it was broken when they did it, mm-hmm. and they do it, and they, they, even they're surprised to how effective it was. And then when they realize them, and most of them realize, yeah, this is kind of unbalancing things. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's one thing I uh, I always I, I always talk to the players about. And sometimes, of course, they like, well, it's in the rules. Why should I change it? Like, all right, then you change. Like, I I have changed rules on my own. I have changed. Like, I've thrown I thrown monsters at them that, and of course, my players they've read the books cover to cover. They <laughs> they know all the weaknesses of everything. Yeah. So I make up a new one. Okay. And. It's amazing how the people that truly just know that this is the way it's going to go, mm-hmm. you can see their expression change on their face when suddenly their you know their vaunted attack does nothing, mm. and especially you know and, well you have to if you're going to change that you have to make sure it's in accordance with the core rules. Yeah, you can't just like well this con well okay uh well this guy doesn't ha- doesn't can't have critical hits on him. Right, it's like, right. Well, it's like because he doesn't. <laughs> have a re- you have to have a reason. Right, right. You can't just say, you know, rocks fall, everyone dies. Or, um, I don't care what you say, you cannot cross this forest. You know, the, the trees are too thick. Well, I climb over the trees. No, you can't do that. I burn know. the forest down. Well, the, the, it's too it's wet. Fun. It's a rainforest. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but it's snowing. It's a rainforest. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's a snow rainforest. It's a, it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it, you, you have to keep, uh, if, if they're going to be, if they're going to be using the rules to their advantage, you have to use the rules too. Yeah. I found, though, that, Basically, it's uh, a lot of this is done by consensus, and if the pl- the players as a group, I think most playing groups want balance. Mm-hmm. Like there will be one Munchkin in there, there'll be one rules lawyer who argues for everything, you know, to be his way, and he needs his retarded little min max super character, and then everybody else will shout, at, you know, you'll make a ruling and be like, he'll argue with you, and then. If you're if you if you have a good group, your players will come to your defense and say no, 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 you can't do that. Yeah, and um, I, I, if the the majority should rule on that. Yeah, if the majority is not having fun with something, because I know whenever I try to make a ruling that is contrary to the spirit of the rules, the players just will not let me fiat certain things. We've we've had a few actual plays, I think, where we've recorded stuff. Yeah, like, that. like I try to kill. An NPC who's disarming traps outright, and I can't find. Well, a way first to... of all, it was an NPC we had fallen in love with. You should have known better than that. Yeah, and... because he was a cute. It was a cute little reptile. It was a reptile and/or amphibian guy. It was little. It's cobalt. Well, yeah, but it's the two, it's amphibian or reptile, <laughs> and they're little. Yeah, we will defend them with our lives and logic. <laughs> We will assault you with logic. Well, it wasn't even that. Uh, I mean, so that's one example of sort of the the reverse. The player consensus will keep the GM in check. Um, 
so and so by extension it'll keep players in check um also in the mutants and masterminds game i ran last session i tried to say okay it'll cost you 10 points of wealth uh for the month to host yeah this. i think even and i was i think the i think everyone in the whole group were, yeah. was, who knew the system were like dude that's fucked up yeah of course well what you should have done yeah actually okay now that i just actually thought about this yeah it's one of those that i thought about it the next morning like oh i should have said that what is you should have set the purchase DC for a party like that. Oh uh, yeah. And because that's how it's a it's the a purchase DC and right. set it like okay well it's gonna be a purchase DC of fifty to right. fully finance this party and if he doesn't make it well you don't have the resources to do it. Ah uh, okay. That's yeah you know, but that's what you should have done. Well again Noted. I was it was sort of like ah uh, okay you can try it but it'll. The thing is, from my perspective, it was you get your wealth back at the end of the month. So for me, it was like, okay, you get 10 points off for a month, but you're not even going to use wealth for the rest of the game because you're going, you're, I, I'm guessing it's not going to come up to an issue a game. So it's really a minor thing. And yeah, everyone and, uh, was just like, oh my God, how well, dare you use this temporary that, That's why, resource. you know, mutants and masterminds, it's, a, it's optional wealth. Yeah. yeah. Um, so y- you have that, you know, that, that, that sort of group consensus will be, you'll, well, the, you, normally the majority should rule. Yeah. Whether it supports the GM or the players or whatever. Role-playing games are about collaboration, <coughs> not about, you know, even if the, even retarded if power trips for a single but person. Even if all your players are too retarded to realize your genius vision, it's, yeah. their, it's their fault. Exactly. It's always the player's fault. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's, unless I'm of the player, then it's everyone else's fault. Or the GM's fault. The, the, yeah. Yeah. So... That's the, in general, you know, the group consensus and everything will keep things in check during the game. But then, of course, the big thing, what I like to do with it is to talk about it after the game. And that's to say, okay, well, that was really powerful. I didn't realize that. And uh, I'm going to change this. In fact, that was so powerful. uh, Yeah. I I can't really run the game like that. Especially when you can see, like, you know, when you realize, when all the players realize how effective that was, you can just see their minds going, like, how can I use this for my advantage? Yeah, exactly. And the next thing you know, you're going to have, you know, players, all of them seeking that, who all have that power, and you're all wait, they're waiting through every fight like invincible gods. Yeah. And you don't want that. Because that's not fun. No. One thing I've discovered. And I'm a horrible cheater in video games. God mode makes the game not fun. Yeah, it makes it pretty boring. Mm-hmm. So that's what I like to do. That's my preferred technique. Is just to after immediately after the game or like in between sessions. Uh, but I offer compensation to the player who who I'm you know. Well, you compromise. Yeah, basically, it's like yeah. a, like, like Congress, like everything else. <laughs> Negotiate compromise. Yes. Um, Never compromise. I'm Rorschach. No, you're not, Ross. Okay. Good God, you're not <laughs> Yeah, I bathe. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what what I do is I allow the character, I allow the player to remake his character. I allow him to adjust his character, like he can take a different feat or whatever. Whatever's the problem, I let him remove it and replace it with something comparable but not retarded. Yeah. So, like, weapon expertise becomes nimble blade or weapon focus, which only gives a plus to damage, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So there's actually have the situation where something is unbalanced through no fault of the rules. Yeah. I'm, I'm suddenly remembering a game we did a long time ago. It was 3.5. You were running it, and everyone was playing a magic user of some kind. Cleric, uh, sorcerer, wizard. I was playing a fighter mm-hmm. who had, I could you know, you know two-weapon fighting, and I had weapon-focused katana. Mm-hmm. And they were started, started complaining when I was doing crazy damage because I'm the only fighter doing it. Mm. 
And I forgot how we dealt with that, but it's it, this what this says remind that's what this episode reminded me of. Interesting. It's, yeah, there are some times when it's not even the rules. Yeah. It's just character choices. Yeah. Like, like if everyone chooses a magic user and then one person is a fighter. Right. And in a, and then there's a situation where they all that's a straight up fight. The fighters is gonna fighters gonna do better. Right. Yeah. Especially at lower levels in third mm-hmm. ed. I mean, if they were you know twentieth level, then they would be like, oh, meteor swarm, wish, yeah, time stop. Yeah. Exactly. So, but yeah, no, I see your point, and that's certainly um, if you have very atypical characters, or if you have a really huge variance yeah. in the players. Yeah, I, I was a Yuwanti half blood fighter. I yeah. remember. Um, I think the situation here is you have to keep the players sort of in check with each other. So game balance isn't just the the system as a whole. It's the... Group dynamic. Too. Yeah, the group dynamic. Very good. So, um, and that that's, again, going to vary from campaign to campaign, but that's something you can talk about ahead of time and uh, just be attentive and deal with this stuff. Now, yeah. 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 I've noticed it's less of a problem in Call of Cthulhu where you actually, ha- you know, you, you have, you know, investigators, detectives, you know. Yeah. And then there's always going to be the one guy who's like, says, I'm a World War One veteran who like with who, who can bullseye anything with a machine gun and a Tommy gun and a crate of dynamite that I carry around on my burrow that's armored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think the thing is um, <laughs> that in Call of Cthulhu it balances out because the game focuses about investigation and they're, they're sort of, there's what they call niche project protection where every player has their own little role in the game fourth ed really really exemplifies that because Mm -hmm. they they spell it out you know this guy is a defender this guy is a striker this guy is a controller this guy is a leader blah 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 blah. and a healer which we we really need well clerics are controllers so Mm -hmm. but uh, we don't have one well that's because you can use warlords to heal you can use other classes to heal it's just because you have three players that you're for the most part um although we will have more next Oh, will he? I, I believe so. I mean, we'll we'll have Mike. I think at least maybe Bill. Um, I don't know yet. We'll we'll it's find. It's crazy. Out. It's a magical, crazy world. So, um, so so that's well, either before, during, or after the game, there are ways to deal with these these situations. Um, but of course, all of these sort of assume that your player is a reasonable, rational human being who can compromise and can yeah. negotiate. Um, what are we gonna? What do you do about the hard ass, the hard case, who's gonna be really? You want to keep playing with him, but he he's being very difficult to work with, and that's I think a very common well, situation. Yeah, of course. There's you know I'm off. I've often been the uh, a fan of the throw his ass out. If you know, but once again, if this is someone. I want to go, okay, you're putting the pressure on me. Oh, but he, we want to keep him. Okay, right. right. Because so. I think uh, that's that's sort of the thing. Um, a lot of if it's a very clear cut case, one way or the other, it's very easy to deal with. That. I think most people would would throw out, you know, the the guy who smells of cat piss and absolutely will not let his frenzied berserker go. I mean, that's pretty easy. But there's the one guy who just. You, you try and talk to him, maybe he even agrees to you. And then next session he shows up, he hasn't changed his character. Oh, I forgot. And then you're like, well, can you change it? No, come on, let's just play. Well, I think once again, what you need to do there is the consensus. Get the majority with you. Right. It's I've always, it's one thing to have the GM sitting there looking like, dude, this is really not working. It's another to have the GM and all the other players doing like an intervention type thing, like this is a safe place, but your character is really unbalancing things. So <laughs> this is a safe place. <laughs> well, you always need to say that in an intervention. I see, okay. But, you know, I have took one psychology course, so I know that. 
Well, very good. Very good so, for you. But yeah, it's get everyone else with you. Okay. Yeah, first even discuss it outside of the game, or when that person's not around, just and ask what the other players think. If they might, well, they probably would all agree with you. Right. I think the most of the time that would, if it's that unbalancing. Mm-hmm. And then the next game, just have everyone like we've all talked, we've all agreed. And then if he still proves to be an uncompromising asshole and says, "And now something you're allowed to get me," is that it? Yeah. Then you kind of realize maybe there's a there's an underlying problem here that goes beyond just yeah being a dick. Well, do you have any uh, personal examples, Tom, that have uh, uh, about well, power gaming? Not in really. Maxi- not really. Most of them I've experienced have been solved by one of those methods. Okay. Uh, we did have one time when we had to break down and get all the other players and the GM to like, look, dude, you're really pissing us off. Tell us more, Tom. Well, all right. Yeah. I forget what game this was. It, it was one of my early 90s games. Ooh. Yeah. Was that a Palladium game? It was. Ah. It was a. Uh, it was Heroes Unlimited, the first edition. Ah. Yeah, until the improved second edition, which still sucked as bad. But yeah. there was one. Yeah, there was one person who he took the invulnerable power. Yeah. And then wore and then wore an environmental suit around him. Okay. Because he had, he had you know, he had looked at invulnerable and realized what else could actually stop him, and took great pains to make sure nothing could. <laughs> but then he wouldn't do anything. Okay. You know, with the rest of us, you know, we're you know we're all getting together, you know, to stop the bank robbery, and all he wants, and he's, and all he wants to do is wait for when he can break out his arsenal of guns, or another, or or like, or our favorite is there was a there was a jewelry robbery. That apparently, the GM, I think the GM had just recently watched uh, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, so it was a, yeah. A, yeah, it was yeah, a jewelry yeah. store robbery with a bunch of guys in suits and sunglasses with color names. Nice. Yeah, not exactly original, but whatever. To solve the problem, yeah, he strapped twenty pounds of C four to himself, <laughs> walked and like walked into the jewelry store, yeah, detonated it. He <laughs> took no da- he takes no damage because he is invulnerable. Oh wow, wow! And at that point, we finally. Well, I found, uh, the meeting the meeting we had afterward was a little just all right. What the fuck? <laughs> And then so, what are the the cops can't arrest him? They're pouring bullets into him, trying to stop. Him. He's like, and all you did is like, I stopped the robbery. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you? What the fuck is wrong? You police stop shooting at me. <laughs> you know, of course he was a hero, so he wouldn't attack the cops. <laughs> well, could they? Uh, how strong was he? Superhumanly strong? Could he? Uh, could the cops try and restrain him? Just you know? Oh uh, yeah, no, he had taken um, invulnerability and uh, was supernatural strength. Oh okay, so he he was too strong to. Uh... Yeah, he was basically he was the Hulk that he was. It was the Hulk that didn't you know that just didn't bother and seeing why everyone was so pissed when he blew, when he destroys everything. <laughs> Again, I love this player logic where the the player just figures the easiest way is to become a, a suicide bomber only he's not getting killed. So So, but I like, you know, Did the hostages get killed? Oh yeah. Okay. But once again, how are you going to arrest him? <laughs> Did he know that there were hostages in there? Was it? Yeah, he no, um I think he no, no he's no, yeah, he knew there were hostages, but he said they're dead anyway. These guys are crazy. Wow. Did he? And he had no evidence for that. I mean, he just decided well, uh, well, that they were... Well, obviously, I think he had seen Reservoir Dogs, too. Yeah. 
So he was featured like they're all gonna they're all gonna be uh, was it Mr. Orange? Which one's the Mr. Pink? Mr. No, it's not Mr. Pink, but that's uh, Steve Mosimi. Michael Madsen. Who's oh like, yeah, yeah. Who executed all the hostages. He thought they were all like that. Oh, I see. I see. Uh... So no, finally, and we can we you know then they we did go to him and say, look, um, you we, you can't do this. And mm-hmm. He says, my character is made. I am a hero. That's what I do. <laughs> that was the one. Okay, we did have to like we, the GM had to resort to something. Yeah. And it was good logic. He said, okay, you're immune to damage. Mm-hmm. You're not immune to pain. <laughs> so he, he said, so every time he took damage, it didn't damage him, but he felt the bullets right. penetrating him. Except even though they did no damage. Yeah. You know, people tell you, if you're wearing a bulletproof vest, you get shot with a bullet. Yeah. It hurts like hell. Sure, you can break your ribs. Well... Once again, no actual damage, but uh, and he started using the the really shitty palladium pain rules. Oh yeah, and he used them a lot. <laughs> and finally, the guy, the guy got bored, and finally, just I'm abandoning this character. I'll make a new one. So he made a new character. Yeah, and okay. this one actually was balanced. Okay, but so yeah, we had you know, he had to be steered. We tried to steer him, and finally, we just had to yank the wheel over and crash into the brick wall to you know get his attention. Okay, so that's sort of like a, a good way of difficult characters the ha- the hard cases is to uh uh create compensation. You know, compensate for their their broken mechanics like okay, if you're doing this retarded thing then there are consequences to it or I'm going to introduce new rules to weaken it or something like that. Yeah. Or that there are punishment, yeah, you know, consequences. Or, or use the little known rules or the yeah. little use like exactly. palladium is loaded with them. Oh yeah, yeah. No. That you know, he I mean, he actually looked at the book all week mm-hmm. and like, "Oh, there are rules for pain and shock. I've never used them." I'm going to use them now. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So that yeah, there you go. It works great. And uh, you know, D and D has obviously tons of rules, um, and so you can probably find some way, especially if uh, yeah. uh, any it's, it's of rules. more difficult if you have a rules lawyer. I mean, like a real rules lawyer. Right. Like you remember the episode where uh, South Park, where uh, but- Butters thinks he's bi curious because everyone's telling me he is, and he, yeah, yeah, his accountability buddy. Yeah. Who's quoting Bibles? This is the person that can be like that, except they quote rules. He right. Says, he says, he says, you know, you can't do that. That's immune. Like Dungeon Master's Guide, page forty-two. <laughs> yeah. So um, get help on the internet. Go to the RPPR forums if you have a particularly we'll hard case. Let's we'll go there anyway. But yeah. also, we have we have information on there too. Yeah. So uh, uh, we can help you if you have. Hell, a, a I've hard even case. started posting a little now. So yeah. Um, I think that that that's a great example of showing how to deal with the min maxers to dish out their own pain. Yeah, mm-hmm. give them a taste of pain. Yeah, uh, see it, the episode it, title because that, that's everyone. Doing. Everyone who thinks of hit points never thinks of the pain of the impact. Right, right. You could. You know, that's pretty easy. You know, that's pretty easy to work into. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, with superhero stuff, there's all kinds of ways to oh. uh, deal. And I believe actually, I just I just remember there was one game we were running with Ed and his brother. Yeah, and he was his brother was playing a frenzied berserker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I ha- I, f- I found the ultimate win. He liked to play it because he liked to go nut. He liked to go do the berserk thing and then say like, now can I like now am I so crazy? Do I attack my teammates? Yeah. Remember where he did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a wand of polymorph uh, polymorph other. Yeah. I turned him into a turtle. Yeah. It's like all right now he's a raging turtle. <laughs> he hated that. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think there are ways our, around it. Yeah, there there are ways to do the uh, the or paralyze them with uh, charm spells or hold person or whatever else uh, mm. like that. So yeah, very good point. Um, so in, any other particular any stories of uh, min maxing or you think you got that out well, of your system? Well, okay, I do have to mention. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I should save this for the anecdote. 
Um, well, why don't you save it for the end? Yeah, I will. It, okay. Like, it is kind of a story about min-maxing. Okay. Well, we'll but do. it's also, it's, I guess Something it's, to keep it's, it's also a gaming story with other, you know, it has layers. It, layers upon layers? Layers upon layers. All but right. one of those layers is min-maxing. Ooh, okay. Well, uh, so that's good. So if you have any questions, feel free to email us, contact us on, uh, post comments on the, uh. I'll even respond to it yeah. this time. Yes. Gonna... And, uh, we got the forums now. Uh, of course, coming up next, we'll have Tom do his letter. Which is probably a little less offensive than my last one. Maybe oh. by a little. Maybe by a little. Oh, wow. Do you kill an orphanage or... Uh, no, no, no. Nothing like that. Any more sexual assaults? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then, of course, we have shout-outs, uh, anecdotes, and a new section uh, for our show, Fave Forum Threads, where we're going to... Uh, Plus, highlight to a couple of uh, things people have been talking about on the website, uh, on our forums, uh, so you can check them out. There's one about player logic that's uh, really great. And uh, so we'll, we'll get all that to the future. So, right after this, uh, Tom's letter. Beware. Civil defense authorities have told newsmen that murder victims show evidence of having been partially devoured by their murderers. Medical examination of victims' bodies shows conclusively that the killers are eating the flesh of the people they kill. Do you folks remember Alfred Hitchcock? Remember his groundbreaking films and his little tiny walk-on cameos in many of them? I bring it up because, as a GM, are you not at the director of the story? Don't you turn a written adventure or scenario into a realized vision with the help of your cast? Alfred Hitchcock was a legendary director and writer, but during those walk-ons, he didn't say a damned word. To me, this is doing it the right way. In games, it is no different. Well, maybe a bit different. The GM isn't just the director, he's also the supporting cast. He does have to act a little bit, and that's fine. A good GM can turn out a number of memorable NPCs, voices and all, in a single scenario. But that is not the sandpaper dildo that has been shoved through my ear hole by many a GM. No, what I am talking about is the GM who not only believes that he is an actor, but that he is a Juilliard-trained thespian who must spew his verbal diarrhea all over the gaming area. I'm sure you know what I'm speaking of. Those GMs who find it necessary to speak in accents and dialects that they think could fool a native speaker well enough to have prospects in the CIA, not realizing that it sounds like they've got a mouthful of shit. I've had to listen to this in numerous groups, and just when I think I've heard the extent of their verbal discharge, the floodgates open once more, spilling out more ridiculous voices like a vocal sewer. It's bad enough when the game is modern. I put up with many a session of the GM-running cackling Nazis who sound like Colonel Klink after he's been smoking for 40 years. I've dealt with Russian voices that sound like Boris and Natasha if both of them had recently been smashed in the forehead with a piece of heavy mining equipment. But none of them compares to the ejaculate gargling experiences of a GM's doing voices for fantasy games. Jesus fucking Christ. There is nothing worse than listening to some GM trouser stain who insists on using archaic dialects when running fantasy games. Just what I need. My GM buddy who speaks every word in contractions, interspersed with swearing every other word, trying to use Shakespearean purple prose every time my minotaur fighter asks some bar wench how much it would cost for a BJ on my giant minotaur cock. I'm pretty sure even Shakespeare would look at that GM and say, Hey, tone it down, you goofy cum shitter. You sound like you got a fat woman sitting on your face. Now, I would like to take this opportunity to say that none of this diatribe is aimed at my good friend Ross. I'm not just saying that because he's looking at me right now, shaking his head and wondering, why the fuck do I put up with this retarded hamster every fucking week? 
I mean it when I say that Ross, like many other GMs I've known, have got it right. He knows that most players don't give two shits about that type of immersion. There's just the right balance to achieve when it comes to vocal immersion. Look at some of the most memorable NPCs he's done in our actual plays, and you'll see what I mean. In closing, I will say this. If you can do a funny or interesting voice for an NPC, your players will let you know. If you can't, they will let you know that as well. Here's a good rule of thumb. If the players talk about an NPC you did in a fond way and look forward to dialogue with it, then you have a successful NPC and voice, and you should continue to bring it out in-game. If the player's first reaction upon hearing an NPC entering the game is, SHUT THE FUCK UP! SHUT THE FUCK UP! SHUT THE FUCK UP! I would rather shove a Phillips-head screwdriver into my crotch than put up with this stupid cocksucker. SHUT THE FUCK UP! If that's the case, well, you might want to abandon that NPC. Just a thought. It's kill if be killed. Yeah, that's the rule. But now the time for talk is done. It's gonna take all we got to get this war won. The killing's already begun. I look to the front and we're being overrun. Time slows down, everything goes dim. My buddy's got a couple trying to tear him limb from limb. I set them both on fire, now the situation's not so slim. But then I see him bleeding. Damn, they got him. Latest word also from National Press Services in Washington. Wow, Tom. That, uh, well, that will... That was better than the last one. Thank I mean, you, Ross. It was only solicitation, not, you know, outright well, sexual Hey, Ross, assault, yeah. I was wondering, though. Yeah. Is it bestiality if it's a minotaur? Um, I think it depends on the kingdom it well, happened but, but then, I think, well, if like, the beast in enlightened qu- kingdoms, like in Eberron, I think that would it, would, it wouldn't, but in less progressive kingdoms. It's well, probably like gay marriage or something like probably that. Probably so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, if the beast in question gave, you know, asked for it verbally and paid you... It would hardly be bestiality. Well, yeah, If yeah. it was consensual. No, I think you have to look at the, how progressive the civilization would look at it. I mean, yeah. if, they, if they view it as an abomination, they, pro- they probably don't... Maybe it's not bestiality. They probably have a, a, an equivalent, monsterality. So, uh, so, yeah. Well, then again, it's a different world, man. Yeah, exactly. And they probably... Um, in either case, it, it would probably have the fantasy version of Megan's Law, which undoubtedly you would be on if there was... A, <laughs> D&D version of Megan's Law. Are you saying that I'm a deviant, Ross? Is that what you're saying? Uh, moving on. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> fine. Yes, that's yes. change the subject. Yeah, great segue there. So uh, our new section is for favorite forum threads. Where we're gonna Try be saying that again. Favorite forum threads. You could get, that's a tongue twister, man. I know. We, it's like, a, it, it's one of those things I like saying, like Zuba pants. Oh, yeah? Zuba. Or, you know, um. I can't think of something else, but Zuba. 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 We'll go with that. All right. Uh, Tom, you had one, of course. Well, yeah. I know it's it's uh, it's a personal thing, but I do like the Tom and the DBZ game thread. Yes. Simply because I knew I'd probably get some comments. I didn't know they'd create a whole thread about that letter. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, uh, that, that's cer- certainly... Now, just so you know the etiquette, we do appreciate comments on the main site, so new visitors can see that... People love to comment on the site, but we do. Uh, the forum threads are great for the in, in detailed discussion about particular topics. So Indeed. yeah, this is a great example of that, where uh, they're getting into all the you have supporters and people who just have to con- critics. So uh, yeah, well, the, the, I think the majority it seemed to me was it. It's dude, that was probably too far, but it's, it's, it was too far, but. Yeah, that's true. And then, of course, you had the that Canadian guy who's actually not Eternal Green, but Maze, and he was obviously your biggest fan, I, I guess, because he—that's I guess how Canadians roll up there. 
they're they're okay with that kind of thing. What firearm anal assault? Yeah, on imaginary characters. Yeah, so uh, way to go, Maze. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I had a few actually. Uh, first, there's the introduction thread where, if you uh, you can read up on some of our listeners and see uh, uh, them talking, and are. Cody, Cody's on there, so you can find out about Cody's own weird life and everything. So, because um, uh, that's all. That's probably we, we can't. We'll never have him on the show on a regular basis. Yeah, it, he would quickly steal the show from us. Oh uh, well, there is a Cody fan club thread. So it he, totally is. Yeah. But, uh, so the cult of Cody has begun, I guess. <laughs> they are legion. Yes, but uh, then there's the study in the logic of gaming. I love this thread because it sort of it, it came out of the there. Somebody posted a gaming stories thread, and there's a couple of you know anecdotes there talking about various wacky things that happen in games. But the study in logic in gaming is again talking about the unique brand of logic that players have in role playing games. You don't see it in any form of fiction whatsoever in in uh, genre fiction, in literary fiction, in movies, music, comic books. But only in a game would you have one character. Killing a police officer because that guy's hoarding all the guns, man. <laughs> or yeah. uh, you wouldn't have a superhero stra- who's involved. You wouldn't have Superman strapping himself with plastic explosives to uh, blow up a bunch of jewel uh, robbers. So mm-hmm. um, I and the studying logic game talks a lot about that. So uh, I have some rules for D and D etiquette in there. You know, right? Um, so yeah. I think I think that those are some of the things. Well, of course, I have links in the show notes, so you can check that out. So. Um, yeah. Anyways, I think the next part is, of course, our shout-outs. So, um, I've got You a have few. more than I do, so why don't you go first? Okay, I'll go first. First, I'd like to mention the Gun Show comic, which is uh, not about guns, actually. It's or a, a guy showing off his muscles. <laughs> yeah. 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 See where I'm going? I saw that. I see what you did there. Uh, it's from Casey Green, who did the animation for Oregon Trail. We're all Trail. Casey Green fans yeah, exactly. here. Exactly. He did the, the animation for Oregon Trail 13. And, and Extreme XP. And Extreme XP. That's a good point. And um, this is his newest comic. It's daily. And so there's a new little thing going on. Uh, they're doing sort of a Hardy Boy thing right now where there's two brothers who decide to – who mistake a hobo for a Bigfoot and decide to see if he's uh, resistant, immune to poison by giving him poison liquor. And uh, all very neat. Na- layers upon layers. <laughs> layers upon layers. So, yeah. Um, Tom, what about you? All right. Well, mo- both of mine are DVDs. Right. Which, by all I say, if you have no major purchases to make at a Best Buy, a two hundred dollar gift card there can go a long way. I would imagine. I bought two DVDs uh, last weekend. Well, mention the first one. Yeah. First. Well, we'll, we'll um, yeah, it's, it. it's one. Okay. The first one is there's a web comic, uh, web cartoon, uh, Zombie with an X. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard of it. I've I've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, I saw this at I saw at Best Buy. There's a DVD with all the episodes on it. Yeah. And I've seen most of the episodes on the uh, interweb, interweb, interwebs, information age. Yeah, and actually, you know, yeah, that's pretty good shit. And besides the sound, you know, the sound on the first, some of the earlier ones are, is a little. Did they rework it for the DVD? Um, it's no. obvious. Obviously, it's you yes, know, it, maybe, it fits. It, it fits a television screen, right? So it, you know, there's just some stuff. It's you can get a you get a clarity. No, it, I meant the audio. Did they rework the audio? A little bit, yeah. Okay. It, it's it, all of them sound good though, and okay. and I'm glad I because I found some things can disappear from the internet that you really like. Yeah, true, true. That's why that's why I download videos on YouTube because I never know Ooh. when they're going to freaking go away. Well, aren't you clever? 
No, uh, I'm really not. <laughs> I have a movie too, or sort of a, a, well. a horror thing. Uh, the object, uh, objective uh, by Daniel Mikrick, who was one of the directors of the Blair Witch Project. He also did a movie about a cult, uh, Doomsday Cult, called The Believers. And the the objective is about a special forces team in Afghanistan that goes to a remote mountain region to uncover something, and of course, horrible supernatural things happen. Yeah, and spooky, spooky. It's great fodder for horror gaming. It would be so awesome to run as a Call of Cthulhu, Delta Green, or D20 Modern, or any type of, uh, you know, special forces fighting weird stuff in Afghanistan. I mean, it kind of writes itself. You know? Yeah, there you go. There's so many different ways you can take it. And I don't want to spoil any more of it, but it's a great horror war movie, and there aren't very many of those. No. So, um... The Bunker, I think. Uh... Yeah, there there's some. I mean, it's a small genre. It's there. So, yeah. it's not like a great classic movie but it's a solid b movie so um yeah and uh, great attention to detail a uh, great look so okay i mean he gets a little weak in some places you can tell they all movies, kind of, movies can all movies can do that well yeah some of the special effects are kind of cheap but whatever um so yeah tom yeah, and my other one is another is another dvd uh i, I once i mentioned before the uh george carlin all my stuff it was one of my shout outs yeah yeah well, I, I finally picked up his last one, which is uh, "It's Bad for You." Yeah, and I, it's not really much of a sh- uh, an obscure shout out. I'm pretty sure most people have heard about George Carlin and this last thing he did. Mm-hmm. But I mention it because it now fully completes my collection of George Carlin. You have it, the canon. I yes. have the canon, and yeah. it that is important to me. He probably was my greatest hero. Okay, that's cool. All right. Um, I got two more because I got I got a whole bunch of them. Oh, yeah, you're on top of this shit. Uh, next one is a found footage festival. It's um, a festival that goes around the country showing these. Uh, basically, they show public access show clips from public ac- access shows, instructional videos, exercise tapes, outtakes from various video projects, um, all kinds of weird, crazy uh, videos, and they put out DVDs. There's three volumes of them. I'm seeing the first two, and it's really funny, really weird, and if you like crazy, weird, funny stuff, I mean, it's it's yeah. pretty awesome. So uh, th- that's worth a look. But then Von Richter's Guide to the Lich. This is an old-school uh, second-ed Ravenloft supplement uh, written about the Lich, and almost all of it is system-free. It's just... Von, from Von Richter's point of view, talking about the habits of the Lich, the the, the psychology of the Lich, the layers, uh, how to find a Lich, how to fight them, how to destroy them. And it's just great fodder. I picked it up at Metagames in Springfield for five bucks. I'm sure you guys can find it cheap as a PDF uh, on RPG.now or RPGnow.com or any number of places. And if you want to run a horror game, use or if you want to use a lich in a game, th- this is a great resource to have. Sort of use them as a layer, as a villain, and um, a mover and shaker villain, not just monster of the week. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, obviously, the second ed D and D stats you can kind of ignore, but it, it no matter what version of D and D you're using, if you use a lich, you should read this because it really. Um, there's so much fodder for your games that you can use. Like, ooh, I'll grab this. Ooh, I'll grab this. Ooh, neat, neat, neat. And it should be, and it's cheap. It's um, it's used game, cheap old abandoned gaming supplements are frequently uh, abandoned. And I'll say, Meta Games has a fantastic selection of. Them. Yes, they do, and uh, you should always take a look at it if you're in Springfield, Missouri. So, yes, 
that is my last uh, shout out, and I, I salute my hat. you. I salute you, sir. Yes, exactly. So I guess finally we only have our uh, anecdotes. So um, first off, I have uh, an email one from a uh, listener, and so let me just take a look at this. It's uh, on the email. Um, Hearing the store, uh, story of uh, Camper Boy uh, from a game reminded me of my favorite anecdote from a game. We were playing AD&D 2nd Edition. Our party was leading an army to liberate a city from an evil, oppressive clergy. Okay, uh, The party consisted of my character, a bard from the city, a paladin of the same faith of the, as the clergy, trying to bring uh, the offending clergy to justice, uh, a fighter, druid, and a mage. We were camped by a few days' march from the city when scouts told us that shadowy figures fitting uh, were flitting about the edge of the camp in what looked like an enemy camp in the swamp. Okay, we know what this means. Gear up, battle stations, and set off to investigate. All but the paladin. He said he would stay back and guard his wife. His wife in the direct center of an army... Uh, I, playing the bard, a class not known for its bravery, mentioned that there's obviously a threat out there, because if they were friendly, they would approach uh, us. He said, well, it seems done just trudging forward to the march to get beat up when we could just pass by. I asked if it's against the paladin's code to run from battle. He says there's no battle, so he's not running, merely avoiding battle. I said, holy shit, my bard is going to convert to whatever paladin order you belong to. You know, the sleeping in and banging my girlfriend (laughs) while my friends get... Uh, uh, pin cushioned up to order. Needless to say, the paladin and the bard's relationships were strained after this. So, I lo- also, I love the podcast. Tom, I love the letters, and I like to think that your advice has led me as a better player in GM. Thanks, Chris. Um, wow. So, I mean, good, yeah. good anecdote, but if you rely on me for moral <laughs> strength, you are fucked up. Yeah, but again, this is sort of the, the, yeah, the, the player logic. The, yeah. The, well... I'm not running from battle. I'm just avoiding an obvious battle. Or, I am fighting the battle of man versus woman. <laughs> <laughs> the battle of the sexes, if you will. The or, war of roses. Yes, uh-huh. especially her rose, which I will be conquering. It's like, it's like, as soon as I, as soon as I you're like, you like cherries. Oh. Yes. Well, it was his wife, so I don't think the cherry was right. Well, uh, he's a yeah. paladin. He might probably wait until marriage. Well, yeah, but he said. Well, it said he was his wife, but you know, whatever. You see what we're arguing here? We're yeah, talking about this detail. Yeah, the <laughs> we're terrible. Anyway, so uh, yeah, that that that's a that that was a worthy anecdote. I would very have worthy. So, Tom, you said you added. Yes, it. this this relates to min maxing. Yes, it does. This takes place last weekend. I am preparing a game, kind of a start, kind of a Star Wars ish game that I've been putting together for a while. Using the cyberpunk system. Interesting. Yes, and I'm going to start that soon, as soon as I've confirmed at least one additional player for the other group. But to get the, the players that I do have right now set for the cyberpunk system, I decided to run a cyberpunk game. Now, this consisted of Aaron and another. And Aaron was making you know, a net runner. I should have. It was either that or a techie. There's no way it would have been any of anything else. But he makes his dude and okay. makes it pretty well. The other, I I will not say. I will not identify. He who shall be nameless. He who shall be nameless. Yes, made a solo, uh-huh. and who wanted to do a full conversion cyborg. Okay, 
And I thought, well, all right, you know, oh, great. Well, it's like, I'll allow it, but you're going to be in debt to the corporation that made you because there's no way you can afford it with starting money. Okay. And he said, that'd be fine. So, like, oh, well, he's, his, his, go- his motives are set now. I can pretty much have the corporation do what I want with him. He hands me his character sheet pre-cybernetics. Uh-huh. He has put in his body stat a three mm-hmm. out of ten. Okay. For a solo. Okay. He did this solely because he knew that having a full conversion body would bump his body rating up to 12. <laughs> okay. So, and also it would also would have bumped his reflexes. So he put all those at levels that are pretty much crippled. Okay. And I had, I turned to him and was like, what the hell is that? You know, you can't be a solo for the years before you got your cybernetic body having stats like this. This is not saying that, well, I was crippled in battle. It's like, no, this is like before any, any crippling is done. Right. So there's no way you're going to walk around as a, so, as a professional killer mm-hmm. who, you know, who use, I mean, he had ratings in heavy weapons. So this is someone who uses heavy weapons primarily who can't even lift them. I gotcha. I gotcha. And he did it only, only, and he put all of his stats into the mental stats that can't be raised with cybernetics. <laughs> okay. So he could have tens and higher and everything. Okay. Oh, and, and every single stat. Yeah. So you know, so like movement, like movement allowance. We could do speed graphs and. Right, right, right. And uh, a cybernetics body's reflexes is automatically put to ten. Right. So I finally. Like, that's the only time I think I remember I said no. No, you're gonna have to rework some of those numbers. There's no way you're gonna be a solo before that body with stats like that. Right. So he grumbled and changed them. He clearly didn't like it. But then the then the, the perfect end to a perfect night. Yeah. Aaron, we were already uh, finally after you know, character creation for Cyberpunk with cybernetics takes a while. Yeah. It was about two hours worth of character creation. Yeah. And we finally get ready to get started, and Aaron just says. Aaron just stops, and I can see in his eyes, in his face, what he's thinking, and I finally just close the book. Aaron, you're not into this, are you? And he (laughs) says, no, not really. And I'm like, all right, we're done. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it was a two-person group. Ah. And when 50% of the group is not into it, Ah. you really, and that's why I think, I did two, I did two players and a GM for a long time. It's taken me a long time to realize that sucks. Yeah. So, and the other, you know, the, my other friend got really pissed off. And there was like a good week of just animosity going around. Wow. So, it, this is a story of just what can, just what can happen. Interesting. Um, yeah, I know what you mean about uh, running for smaller groups. I mean, I can do it for one shot, so that's not well, a problem. I, they're really, they're fun if the both players and the GM are just are working right together. Like right. You know, I remember uh, Jason and I did a game, did Call of Cthulhu, the Delta Green game. Yeah, yeah. And we were, we were just doing, we were firing go- on all cylinders, just doing it, and it was great. Yeah. Cody and I have done the same thing. Yeah. No, you have the the fear itself game. But you you've got they both got to be into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like we said, yeah, uh, we've mentioned before in many episodes talking about this sort of thing. Uh, you know, everyone ha- you have to talk to them ahead of time, make sure everyone's on the same page. So. That's too bad. What are you going to do about it, Tom? What? How are you going to? I just I completely abandoned the cyberpunk game. It's like right, right. It, it, like this never happened. It's gone. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. This so, imaginary thing was never even imagined. Yeah, you imagined the imagined. I'm, I'm still eventually going to do the, the my uh, spacey game. 
Okay. I don't I don't have a name for it, but spacey. I'm, my cyberpunk space based game. Spy- okay. At some point, when I have at least three players. I gotcha. And we think we have one, but his, uh, but you know, girlfriend and shit like that. Jake, you mean, or sorry, yeah, he Jake, my friend be, Jake. Yeah, okay. no, no, this is that he who should not shall not be named. I only mentioned because I didn't check with him beforehand if I could mention this. Ah, uh, I see. Okay, fair so enough. yeah, I'm 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 fair. Okay, I'm a fair deviant. <laughs> fair enough. All right. Well, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. You think so? I think so. So. Uh, if you have any questions about mid-maxing, dealing with uh, uh, the terrible characters, uh, the terrible players who make the worst characters uh, for the very horrible, no good, terrible game or something yeah. like that, or, uh, let uh, us know. Or hor- just horrible Rifts experiences. And don't forget, the New World Campaign uh, Ransom. We only need 20 more, you guys, and I know there's over a 1,000 of you out there on the You internet. can do it. You can do you it. You can do it. Yeah. Like Obama said, we can do it. I don't think he said that. Or yes, we can. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yes, we can. Point. <laughs> Did you not? God, even... son of a bitch! What the fuck? <laughs> With that, you obviously. Uh, I voted it. for him. Damn it! <laughs> that should count. Well, you kind of. <laughs> obviously, you took uh, some memory flaws for your character. So, uh, well, among among others. Among others. All oh, right. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't get to be in Washington to watch history. I, yes. That's I why I'm stupid. I know. Well, we'll forgive you i guess somehow will will you yeah so anyways this has been rppr uh episode 30 min max pain uh this is ross payton i'm tom church you knew of course you knew that and we'll uh catch you next time catch you on the flip side we're killing and eating their victims prompted authorities to examine the bodies of some of the victims medical authorities in cumberland have concluded that in all cases the killers are eating Repeating this latest bulletin just received moments ago from Cumberland, Maryland, civil defense authorities have told newsmen that murder victims show evidence of having been partially devoured by their murderers. Medical examination of victims' bodies shows conclusively that the killers are eating the flesh of the people they kill. And so this incredible story becomes more ghastly with each report. It's difficult to imagine such a thing actually happening, but these are the reports we have been receiving and passing on to you. Reports which have been verified as completely as is possible in this confused situation. It is happening. It would appear that no one is safe. No one is safe. No one is safe. I'm cutting off my phone and my Skype. Shutting down my computers and I'm killing all the lights. Keep your voice slow if you want to make it through the night. Keep your head down. Avoid the windows. I don't assume that we're safe because we're not. I've seen this before. Kid is going to get hot. If you brought a weapon, take it out. Show me what you've got. If you see him, take him down. One kill, one shot. This ain't no joke, you know I always keep it real Give yourself a gut check, got the nerves of steel It's gonna get epic just like the tournament unreal If you been dipped in the sticks, better hide your heel Remember that it's just a sweet dispense Just stick to the killing, there won't be a consequence Take a look around, absorb the evidence They're already dead, so plan A, violence There's supposed to be another broadcast at 3 o'clock 10 minutes Oh, only 10 more minutes? Gets, bitch, you better take him out. They come after you. This is true, don't doubt. This ain't my first time fighting the undead. And if I see one bite, y'all put a bullet in your head. I know that ain't cool, but it's just self preservation. What if you become a ghoul? I'm in it to win it, so don't you take me for a fool. It's kill if be killed. Yeah, that's the rule. But now the time for talk is done. It's gonna take all we got to get this war won.
the killing's already begun I look to the front and we're being overrun Time slows down, everything goes dim My buddy's got a couple trying to tear him limb from limb I set them both on fire, now the situation's not so slim But then I see him bleeding, damn, they got him Latest word also from National Press Services in Washington, D.C. now tells us that the emergency presidential conference which we've just mentioned will include high-ranking scientists. Uh, if I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot him in the head. That's a sure way to kill him. My buddy goes down, a bullet in his face. At least I got to him before he joined the cursed race. I asked for someone else to come and take his place and tell me how much longer will we fight at this pace. I see my share of war, but this is something else. I'm running and I'm gunning in circles like carousels. I fire instinctively and my nerves are raw. And everywhere I turn, I see a zombie with a bloody jaw. This is a losing battle. They're gonna eat my brain. I can't believe I'm giving up. I must be insane. I want to survive, but I can't maintain. Maybe suicide's a thought I should start to entertain. If this is a dream, tell me why can't I wake up? My friends all died before the military showed up. I keep pushing on, but I just wanna give up. I'm at the end of my rope, and I just don't give a fuck. Helicopters coming, tanks in the street, soldiers everywhere, and they're all packing heat. Bullets and mortars, we won't admit defeat, but the zombies keep coming, all grown and they eat. Rounds fired, man down, there's nowhere left to hide, nothing left of this town. So much blood, you would think you'd drown. And all this from sunrise till sundown. Now I think I'm finally gonna crack Cause the zombies keep pushing so I gotta push back I look for a weapon so I can join the attack I find a crowbar then my vision goes black As I'm falling I can hear him talking I'm gonna die so the zombies come flocking I'm being eaten by these undead lunatics I grab another character sheet and roll three more d6